Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Control Port Podcast, episode 234. My name is Benjamin Yoder, and I'm here today talking about video games. Hey, if you're in the U.S., I hope you had a wonderful holiday weekend. It's Thanksgiving weekend here. I don't know if I mentioned that uh, on the podcast before. I think I probably did, given that I, I, I knew what uh, stream I was doing, I believe, at that point. Um, so, but yeah. Thanks, happy Thanksgiving to all you who have Thanksgiving. If you just had a normal week, happy week that you're alive week. That's that's my favorite holiday where we celebrate you being alive. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, during the break, uh, uh, you know, it's still technically the break of me, me recording this, but largely I, I kind of spread out my time quite a bit. I did just kind of play a couple things of my own, uh, which, you know, may or may not turn into things in the future that I talk about. Kind of kind of still undecided, but I'll, I'll talk about those here in a second. And then also I worked on some stuff as well. So I'll have probably quite a few updates today on just some old projects that I finally got around to, you know, spending time on. Uh, it's been a little hard making time for the, like, the projects that I've, that I've had backed up. Unfortunately, you know, I was supposed to have a video out sometime in September and that didn't happen. And then October was basically a bust. And then November, I had to, you know, suddenly shift to get that PCFX panel put together. So <laughs> it's been a chaotic handful of months here. But uh, hopefully we'll be getting back on track and we'll start 2022 off fairly strong. Hopefully we'll see. Um, so, so I'm going to do like some kind of like a yearly update video by the end of this year, by the way. Um, so I'll, I, I probably won't be as elaborate as past years. I, I kind of want to reduce the work level of those yearly updates. Cause I think while they're, while they are fun to do and it's fun to reflect, um, like trying to, to like pre-write out a lot of stuff, I think ultimately just kind of bogs that process down and then takes away from, you know, actually creating content that you guys probably really, really care about rather than just having a yearly check-in kind of thing. So I'll probably try to keep it as simple as possible, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I'll try to limit it to one video, I think, as well. So um, in terms of what I actually played, so I did briefly on the drive up to Utah because I went to go visit my family in Utah for Thanksgiving. Um, play a little bit of GoldenEye Rogue Agent for the DS. After mentioning last week that I couldn't really remember, uh, you know, exactly what that game's layout was, I just wanted to kind of take a look at it again just to see how similar it felt to the uh, the console version, or at least the GameCube version, right? Um, and I really didn't get that far into it. Um, I kind of lost interest pretty quickly. You know, it's definitely... You can see where the game's connections are for sure. I don't think the level design is, is you know, identical. I think the DS levels are actually shorter as well, which is, is maybe not too surprising. Um, but it did feel like that it was a little hard to navigate and shoot enemies in the DS version. So you felt like it's a little bit more just kind of like eating bullets, basically. So it's like, I need to, you know, basically aim and I'm going to stand here and just like shoot you know at this person while they shoot directly back at me which you know may sound like every other shooter right but in this case i think it's just really hard to move like run and gun in the way that i i thought it was really easy to run and gun and uh rogue agent uh on the gamecube when i played that so maybe it's just like a auto aim kind of thing because it does kind of feel weirdly accurate and i think probably part of the reason why is because with the touch screen you can sit there and aim with the stylus right so there's probably less auto aim in that game versus the console version all that's just what i'm just thinking about now honestly so anyways by the end uh, like, like at the end of the day 
Um, you know, you, you if you're going to play that game, you probably shouldn't play either the DS or the GameCube version, uh, but playing the console version probably is going to be your, your best bet unless you're just really into the DS one for some reason. Although I believe the DS one has a multiplayer mode with bots. I don't think that's the case in the GameCube one because in, in the GameCube one, the multiplayer setting was just completely grayed out um, when I when I played. I mean, obviously, if I plug in a second controller, I'd imagine it would go ahead and populate, but I never really messed around with it. So, but in the, in the DS one, you can like set up your own bot map and stuff um, again the AI is not particularly great so I would not exactly you know recommend it as a way to play you know uh, uh, portable shooting on the go um, but at the same time you know in 2004 or whatever there, there weren't a ton of other like first person shooter options on a handheld so so at that time I thought it was pretty novel I remember at the time when I was playing that game thinking that it was like as good as the original GoldenEye and it's definitely not but you know I was just so I was so on the Kool-Aid of just like I need ever I need a good DS game and I'm going to believe as much as I can believe that this is a really good DS game so so yeah I, I think I mentioned it last week it's probably one of the games that probably has not held up the most in terms of my you know early DS love I think Yoshi Touch and Go while maybe disappointing from like a pricing perspective is still like a very fun game and I think Kirby's Canvas Curse which was also kind of like an early DS darling title um, I think that was also a strong game as well too so I think those still hold up, but but Goldeneye, Rogue Agent, maybe not so much. Pack and Roll. Pack and Roll still holds up, even though that being kind of like a general launch window game. Uh, I still think that is a fun game to play through, despite it being short. Um, I never got around to making that video about Pack and Roll, but I will say I think the DS version of that game is a better version of the game. You have a lot more control over Pac-Man and how he rolls around, um, and it makes like a lot of the the uh, level design feel a lot easier because you have a lot more velocity um, than than the console one. Because the console one you have to kind of rev up as you move forward, so it just never quite feels right on at least the Wii. Um, I don't remember if we talked about it, but Namco is releasing like a Pac-Man uh, collection kind of thing, and Namco Museum Remix or at least some of the Namco Museum Remakes games are going to be in there, including, I think, like, Pac-Modos, as well as Pac-and-Roll Remix, which, you know... I maybe maybe mapping like the the because if you don't know like in, in Pac and Roll you can like flick the stylus and it makes Pac Man kind of shoot off and how they handled that in the Wii version is that when you shake the Wii remote it would basically cause Pac Man to dash but I had a lot of problems with Pac Man like not lining up properly when I did that dash and I never could figure out if it was an analog stick issue with me just not having the stick in the right place or if it was like a something to do with like the direction of the swing would cause the the, the dash to handle differently so I'll be curious to see you know if you just map that dash to a button how that feels but i think it'll still run into the same issue where like pac-man just cannot get the same velocity as as the ds game in terms of just like the constant moving speed kind of thing so still holding out that pac-man pack and roll and ds is, is the best game i think at this point i don't know if i'll play the other console version of that game i don't think i have a real desire to um but maybe eventually i'll go back and still do that video where i talk about the two different ones since i don't think i need to have those games like particularly fresh in my memory to to talk about the things i want to talk about with those you know i'm not directly comparing that many things there are some interesting differences like some musical differences and things like that throughout as well but i don't think those are necessarily nearly as important to kind of you know talk about um compared to the uh the controls of the game 
as well. Didn't really mean to talk about pack and roll this podcast, but here we are. We just went through that. Um, for Thanksgiving, one thing we did do is I, I did stream on Thanksgiving because I was back home for Thanksgiving night. Uh, we had our Thanksgiving celebration on Wednesday, the day before. Uh, and we played Cookie Mama Cookoff. And I will say Cookie Mama Cookoff is a, is being an early Wii title. Um, it has a lot of motion controls that are, that are somewhat questionable, I think. I think this is still an era where People weren't necessarily sure the best way to use the motion controls on the system. And one of the key problems that game has, which I guess I should say, if you don't know what Cooking Mama is, basically it's like a bunch of like cooking mini games. You have to like go through a series of steps and a recipe to essentially create a meal. Um, and so if you fail any of those, it like hurts your score kind of thing. And at the end, you get like a particular medal. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 so you do those little mini games. And on the DS, you use the touchscreen, obviously. But on the uh, the Wii, you're using the motion controls with the Wii remote, uh, just the standard Wii remote. But they also ask you to use the pointer on the controller as well. And sometimes they want you to very quickly switch between using the pointer and the motion controls, which is something that does not really, you know, work well. Because it would make sense if, like, the pointer was something that you could, like, reliably know where your controller was pointing, right? Because, you know, the if the Wii Remote was, like, one-to-one, you could use it like a light gun and kind of, you know, point at the screen and shoot kind of thing. But that's not how the Wii Remote works. You know, you, you, you with the pointer itself, you know where that pointer points on the screen relative to your position, essentially. So as you move the, the Wii Remote around, you know, you can kind of track where that cursor is going to go. But it's not that you can just kind of, like, point and shoot directly on, on screen like you can, like, a light gun in an arcade. So um, I think that causes a lot of problems where you're doing some kind of motion and the game suddenly wants you to point at the screen and press a very specific spot on the screen to do something. So you're, like, doing the motion and you just sit there and, like, try to find where your cursor is in relation to the infrared pointer or infrared lights on the system and then once you line it up then you got to kind of figure out what kind of motion you got to do to get down to that corner um and it's not that long in the in terms of the actual like process of doing that but in the terms of you know when you are have like a split second before your onions burn or something um it's 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 something that's very important and unfortunately i think that game just kind of misses that aspect there's also some general other motion control issues i've had it's hard to say if it's a a fact of like hey, the game just doesn't have good motion control tracking or if it's that the game just doesn't do a good job communicating what you need to do um, to actually, you know, um, do the motion that they're, they're, they're looking for. Um, so, you know, there are on-screen motions that show you, like, how they want you to move the Wii Remote around and stuff, but I never, like, got in a position where any of the minigames felt, like, super comfortable that I, I could ever fully figure out, you know, like, when I was cracking eggs, you have to kind of, like, swing the Wii Remote over to the, egg, the side of the bowl. If you swing it too hard, the egg smashes. If you swing it not hard enough, the egg just kind of taps the side and, like, you either just slightly crack or, or will not crack at all. And if you swing it just right, it'll crack, and then you gotta press the A button, which will put the egg on the, in the in the bowl itself, right? And so actually honing that in and getting it to a point where you can actually like reliably like crack those eggs open and stuff. Um, just, just, it, it's just something that I was never able to figure out to do. We played it for about three, two and a half hours, actually two and a half hours about. Um, and I just never could really get it to, to the point I needed to. So, you know, I mostly got bronze medals. The only recipe of uh, the ones we attempted that I could not complete was the popcorn one. The popcorn one very specifically need to be able to do motion controls over and over and over again. So it's like, shake the the actual like pop the saucepan that the, the popcorn is in back and forth 
And if the game stops tracking that you're doing that, then you're basically screwed. And the popcorn only has two steps. And so if you fail one, you fail all of it, basically. So that was the only one that I really wasn't able to finish so far. I think there's probably another like two and a half hours in that game. How long to beat said about three and a half hours, but I think it's going to be quite a bit longer than that. Um, so I think we'll probably be closer to about, you know, five to six hours um, when I finish that. I'm not going to stream it anymore, though. So it's going to be something that I play in my own free time. But I don't want to like really just like, you know, get halfway through it like I did and then just leave it, you know, to rot forever. So I think I am going to try to make a effort to to play through it at some point, whether that be, you know, while I'm doing something else and, and basically just, you know, be something I can do with my hands. Because it's not a game you have to think that hard about. It's just a game you got to kind of sit there and, you know, go through the motions with essentially. So. It's not nearly as like hectic as like a WarioWare game or something like that, I guess is what I mean. So anyways, that game is okay, you know, for the dollar I paid for it. I'm not going to complain too much, but, you know, it is it is a, uh, you know, maybe one of the lesser entries of the Cooking Mama to my understanding because of those controls, unfortunately. So if that changes and I figure out how the controls, you know, how to get those controls consistent, I'll definitely let you know. But at this point, I think I can safely say maybe get any one of the many other Cooking Mama games out there. Uh, I say only ever having played the DS one. But I do think the DS one probably would be a better fit, though, just because you have more control over the, the, the game itself with the, the stylus and everything. So one other thing I played is also another shorter game is uh, Cabela Survival Cabela Survival Shadow of Katmai. I think that's how you pronounce it. And this is a game I was like really excited to try out a long time ago. And I honestly don't know why I was so excited to try it out. But it was a game that I, I really wanted to sit down and spend some time with. And then I did rent it at the time and I got like maybe an hour or so into it. Um, and I was like, this is actually really cool, but I think like I had to do an article on something. So it ended up just kind of getting shoved to the side. This is like during my VG charts era where I had like basically no free time to play video games ever, which I mean, kind of still true today. Uh, but at, at that time I had to like basically hit a minimum quota of articles per week, uh, that I usually failed to hit, but I also made up in, in enough views that they really didn't care that much that I didn't hit it. <laughs> um, but anyways, so... Um, you know, I, I, I didn't really get to get through it, unfortunately, at the time, uh, but I should have just kept pushing through because it's a game that's only about two and a half hours long. Um, and so I went ahead and pushed through it. Now I bought a copy a while ago and spent some time with it. And, you know, I really like it. It's not a great game. It's kind of in the in the realm of like that Kikaishi game I played recently where it's like on its own. Like, if you look at the concepts and what the game is doing, it's not very, like, interesting. There's not a lot of variety. But because the game is so short, um, the fact that it is just, like, this very compact experience that has these specific elements it focus on, focuses on, um, I think really is a benefit. So, obviously, that doesn't, like, you know, if you're if you're shopping for, you know, money to value kind of thing, you're buying a $50 Cabela game or something like that. Or I don't know if it was $50 when it launched, but, you know, a full-price video game, then obviously I think you would be very disappointed that the game's only about two and a half hours to three hours long but you know in the modern context where i literally do not care as long as the game feels like somewhat satisfying it actually kind of works in its favor in my opinion so I played through it and it's got kind of like a goofy story. It's nothing crazy, but there are some like fun, like little bits in it. And, and I just like really enjoyed the, the, the little bit of time that you go through it. It's, it's kind of this 
weird romp where you're you're this like dude who is is flying a plane with a doctor and then the plane crashes and then you basically end up at this cabin with this dude who sees ghosts or something and then so you're basically hunting trying to get food and save both the dude in the cabin and also the doctor and then the doctor is like hey the reason i was flying you out here is because i'm on this secret mission and everyone in this village is going to die in the next 48 hours if we don't get there kind of thing he's like oh no so it becomes like this rush to get down the mountain essentially um and and how that all plays out is very straightforward in terms of like if you're familiar with that era of like 2010 like tomb raider uncharted like everything is has or like all the climbing segments of those games are might as well just be cutscenes because you're just kind of like holding the stick and they're moving around um it's 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 pretty much a if you took those segments and made them into an entire video game. So it's not very exciting from a moment to moment gameplay thing, but there are some shooting elements. It's kind of a bad third person shooter where you can kind of like run around and shoot at these wolves. You have like no camera control in the Wii version. The Wii version in general is very janky. Um, you might not have camera control in the other versions as well. And I'll get into that for in a little bit, but the Wii version in particular is really janky. Just a ton of frame rate issues. A lot of like just random, not crashes but like freezes where the game will just freeze while it's trying to load something um so it you know it's it, it's it's pretty janky but again it's so short it doesn't really matter um so you're basically just climbing and shooting and then sometimes you combine the two um actually fairly frequently they combine the two so you're just like climbing and just like a whole flock of crows come flying at you and you just pull your pistol out and shoot them out of the sky while you're hanging there and that just happens like almost every clip so these crows are really out to get you so it's it's pretty pretty silly pretty goofy and i think if it was any longer than two and a half hours it would overstay its welcome but for that length of time i think it makes a lot of sense um i think it would be a really fun stream game so what i decided to do because i was kind of curious how the other versions of the game ran um and there's one other kind of aspect here as well but I decided to go ahead and buy the PS3 version of the game. And then I think we'll go ahead and just like spend, you know, probably between the time we finish Sword of Ateria and we move over to Parasite Eve, we'll probably play that game in, in one night, essentially. Just because I think it'd be a fun stream game, honestly. Um, but one of, the, one of the neat things about the 360 PS3, and to some extent the Wii version, but, but I'll explain why it doesn't matter as much there, um, is that they have this, these guns called the Big Shot Elite guns, and they're these big plastic guns that have like a sensor bar that comes with them. And you use those guns as basically light guns to play, um, play the game on 360 and PS3. So you're basically playing with this big old gun controller, essentially. Um, so I bought a PS3 version that had that controller the ps3 versions were significantly cheaper than the 360 ones i don't know why maybe the game runs worse who can say i wouldn't be surprised if it does uh but you know i wasn't going to pay like 70 bucks for a a cabela survival on xbox 360 and and like a gun so i was like 16 dollars for the whole ps3 package is the the most i'm willing to spend on a game i already played through um the wii version also can get this gun with it as well but it's kind of like the wii zapper where i think you slot the wii remote in um so they saved money on that that aspect i don't know if it changed the price of the package at all although i would be curious like honestly i'm not a huge fan of the wii zapper as is the original wii zapper on the 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 the, the system that nintendo put out and you can use the wii zapper in this because it's literally just a piece of plastic right so you can use whatever you want you can play the wii, any video game with the wii zapper almost basically um other than the fact that some of the buttons are a little hard to reach um but um yeah it, it, it's it's a controller that um i would be curious to see if you could use this this 
this this big shot elite controller for the Wii with um, with other games at all that use the Wii Zapper because I would actually kind of prefer it. I think depending on how it feels. Um, so I might look into that in the future. That might be a stupid thing. I did not realize that I could potentially do that. But you know, I do think it's a little like less enticing because as far as I'm aware, it is just using the Wii Remote and Nunchuck. So it's definitely just like less of a a unique thing, but you know, it makes sense why they would do that. Um, you know, if only to save money on the sensor bar and the guts of the controller and things like that. I'd hope that they charged less for it. Uh, so we'll be playing that on stream. So uh, it's not going to be next week, but you know, maybe two two weeks from now, we'll probably end up playing that Cabela stream. I'll definitely let you know uh, before we do so. So if you want to see me use gun to shoot thing on stream, I will use gun to shoot thing on stream. Um. One other thing that happened during the Thanksgiving break is I actually did a secondary stream. Uh, so I was able to, after I talked about it last week, uh, set up the Zelda Ocarina of Time uh, Space World 97 recreation demo, which just to reemphasize what that is, this is not a actual demo that was leaked or anything like that. Um, this is a recreation of a what is essentially an E3 demo of the game. It's from an event called Space World. Um, and there's just enough like information out there that that the modding community or the, the modding community felt comfortable trying to recreate that demo um, and and to give it an experience very similar to that. Not only in terms of just like information they've gathered from like magazines and screenshots and videos and things like that, but also in data that's come out of a variety of sources like the um, the uh, overdump that happened, the um, the uh, giga leak, and then also some other other places as well. If you don't know what those things are, don't worry about it. Basically, people were able to get their hands on some Ocarina of Time data, but not the complete data, essentially. Um, so I spent a good chunk of the week trying to figure out how to get this thing installed on the Wii Virtual Console. There's a few different ways you can play it. One is you can put it on like an EverDrive cartridge on 64, it's like a flash cart, so you can just load it up on a real 64. The other thing is you can drop it in an emulator like Project 64, which I don't like using emulators very much, especially not 64 ones. So, you know, I generally try to avoid that if I don't have to. And then you could also put it on a, on a Wii VC, which is probably the hardest out of all of them because you have to do some, some finagling to get it to work, essentially. So I was able to finally get it to work. And if you are curious about how to get it to work in the Wii VC, I really highly recommend going to the Space World 97 uh, Discord community um, for that recreation demo. Um, and then just go search the uh, the setup thread for for Wii VC specific information. That's going to be the easiest way to figure that stuff out. Um, but yeah, so we I did go ahead and stream it. And and one thing I should say before we get too deep into this, that stream had some issues. Um, I think I'm going to give up on the local recording while I'm streaming thing. I think my PC just might not be powerful enough to do that for long-term periods of time. It seems like when I did it in short bursts, I could record without too much trouble. Um, but whenever I do like, you know, a long two to three hour stream, which is, you know, normally what that stream is, it seems to start creating a lot of problems. I also have to like lower the, the video quality of the stream itself, which then, you know, hurts that. And there's also like audio syncing issues. And I think at least today my pc is just not in a position or at least the settings i'm using is not really working for doing those local recordings so i think you're going to go back to using Streamlabs obs not for any particular reason in terms of the feature set only just because i prefer honestly to have my recording setup and my streaming setup to be separate and if i don't have any reason to use obs for the um 
the uh, the you know streaming setup, then I'm going to just use OBS for local recording and use Streamlabs instead for streaming. Um, it's just going to make it easier. But so if, if you've been like annoyed by some of the quality issues in the last few streams, I'm I'm sorry. I was just trying to get it so I could record gameplay footage and and try to get that so I could you know make e- videos easier if if we play something on stream and I decide this is actually something I want to talk about. It also would have made me a little less concerned about streaming certain games and I'm like I know I might want to talk about this game at some point so i want to be able to make sure i have some like actual raw footage rather than just my stream footage but we're just not at that point until i upgrade my pc which hey yet another reason to upgrade my pc at some point right so good incentive there but for now uh i think we're just going to go back to how we were doing it before um so if you do notice any issues on streams let me know but it should be going forward um um all kind of back to the the old old setup there um, but yeah, to, to talk about the Zelda OOT, uh, uh, Space World OOT, why did I say OOT Outworld? But the Space World demo, um, uh, uh, thing, uh, you know, it's, it's really interesting, um, because this, this recreation demo, um, you know, does make a lot of like guesstimates and things like that on, on kind of the, the, the level design and things like that. But generally it all, everything that's there feels about right. Um, at least, um, whether or not that, that is actually accurate to the final game is, or what the final demo was is a whole other thing, but it feels like everything kind of falls into place. Nothing really feels out of place outside of the fact that like sometimes, um, certain like flags get reset. So what that mean by that is like, there'll be like a heart piece, you pick it up and then like you leave the room, you come back and the heart piece will be back there again. Um, which maybe was an issue with the original demo. Who, who can say? Um, it doesn't really matter in the context of this because all you're doing is really selecting like a, from a list of, of dungeons that you're going to go do. So it, it, the ones that are in there are the Deku Tree, Dodongo's Cavern, and then a um, Gerudo's Training Grounds. Um, and the Deku Tree is incredibly different from the final game. The uh, Dodongo's Cavern is a weird version. Like it's, it's just... You can definitely see the blueprint of how they were setting up the dungeon, but it didn't quite get to where it needed to be in regard to, like, you know, the the, the design at that point. And then also the Gerudo training ground was very short, and there's a lot of, like, interesting little mini-games in there rather than um, more of just, like, challenge rooms. And some of those mini-games kind of got expanded out to other parts of the game later on. For example, um, Dampe, the the ghost who, you know, is in the, the graveyard, uh, and you have to, like, follow him around after he's dead. And, and the uh, catacombs or whatever, um, they basically had, whether he was planned at that point or not is a whole other thing when they have the, made this demo, but they basically have that whole uh, sequence of events in, in the Gerudo training grounds where you basically chase after this Poe, and then when you get to the end, you basically kill the Poe or whatever. So um, the, the, the all three are very different from the final game, though, at the very least. Um, and <laughs> I think it's one of those things where we always have to be careful what we wish for because um, a lot of people like look at like the Deku tree design and things like that. And um, it's like, wow, this is like a really, you know, stunning area and look how big it is and everything. Um, But the, but the actual dungeon is pretty, uh, let's say a little dull. Um, It's just kind of this spiral room that you kind of go up and there's not really a lot to it. There is some like interesting things about like the space. So, so when you're going up the spiral room, you can kind of go in these doors at any point. And so you can kind of do some interesting stuff where you're kind of like walking through and you can like 
basically go a detour around to another area by going outside then walking up around the side rather than basically going through the doors in the inside. I don't know if that really makes a lot of sense in, in saying it, but basically there's like sometimes there's like multiple paths for how you can get to a place, but it's like very slight. Um, and then also some of it I'm not really sure was intended because there I did find like a glitch that basically allowed us to get a little higher than than we should have. So I can't remember how much I used that early on because I didn't realize it was a glitch early on. I thought I was just like, hey, this is the nature of the jump in this version of the demo. But it sounds like it, it is an actual like just bug with the, with the jump that lets you jump so high essentially. Um, but yeah, it's 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 just kind of dull otherwise though. Cause you're just kind of going up. You're finding a lot of Deku Babas, and the Deku Babas behave a bit differently. Where you can't just like hit them whenever. You can only hit them at particular times. So it's probably similar to the issue that people had with Skyward Sword, where you have to kind of sit there and wait before you actually hit the Deku Baba in some way. Um, so like you know, when in Skyward Sword you had like the directional cuts, right? So their mouth would open up, you cut them in a certain direction. In this case, you have to wait for them to attack, and then after they attack, you can go ahead and slice them. That then causes them to stick up right away and they can go ahead and stab them and then they'll fall over and die um the problem is is that that's most of the enemies in that dungeon not all of them but most of the enemies in that dungeon and it becomes really tedious to do after a certain period of time so it, it is something that really slows down the game in a way that that is a little a little frustrating to some extent so there's just like not a lot of like interesting things going on in the combat for the most part. Um, and then I'd say there, there isn't really a lot of like puzzle design really in it at, at all. Again, some of this stuff had to be recreated from scratch. So maybe there's some additional things in there. But at least in the, the Deku Tree demo that they showed, um, there wasn't really a lot going on outside of just like, you know, occasionally light torches and occasionally shoot some eyes. And then that will basically open certain doors. Um, and and yeah, just there just was not a lot that you had to really think that much about in the dungeon kind of thing. And, and maybe that's intentional for the, the demo that they are doing. And that's why they built it that way. It's just to kind of let people kind of coast through. Um, but it definitely feels a little dull and just kind of tedious going up the Deku tree. Um, the, the Dodongo's Cavern is, is pretty similar in a lot of ways where the level design just feels a little flat, but a lot of the design decisions in terms of like what the obstacle course rooms were like in that, that dungeon are, are a bit more exciting than the Deku tree. There's like some rooms with like rolling rocks in them. There's also like this room with like a bunch of furnaces that kind of turn on and off. So you have to kind of like avoid those to get down a hallway. And then these rocks come rolling down the hallway. So you have to like kind of time your jumps over or, or time your, your, your movement over to get to a chest and try not to get smacked in the head by this rock essentially. Um, and there's also just like a more diversity of enemies there with the, the Dodongos and things like that. But um, you don't get the bombs until the very end of the dungeon. So the Dodongos themselves, you more or less just like swipe in the butt with to hit their tails. There's like the lizard uh, guys that are in the final game where you fight them. So you have that little kind of face off kind of thing. So I think with Dodongo's Cavern is definitely the better dungeon of those two in particular. Um, I think it's definitely worse than what the final game eventually was. Um, but it is still, still, I think a, a, a overall interesting dungeon to do. You actually like, instead of bombing the eyes out of the giant Dodongo head on the, uh, the, the end of the dungeon, you bomb the mouth of it, which actually makes a lot more sense from a, um, you know, uh, logic perspective in terms of Zelda, because you do bomb Dodongo's mouth 
mouth, or they throw the bombs in the Dodongo's mouths uh, for the boss fight and the little ones as well. Um, but you know, it's <laughs> I'd be curious to, to to hear like what decision made them or what what thought process made them change that decision of you know bombing the eyes versus the mouth on it. And then the Gerudo training ground, like I said earlier, is just kind of like some fun little mini games. It was actually probably my favorite part of the the whole demo, um, but it is probably the shortest part. You just kind of run in there you know, do a little, a few little challenges. It just gives you the ability to play with the adult tool, tool set a little bit. Um, and, and that's kind of it. So pretty straightforward demo. Oh, there's like a Hyrule field in Kukiri Forest you can kind of walk around to. So, um, I, I, I was not expecting it to be anything, you know, crazy good or anything like that. You know, it definitely was a work in progress thing. And more importantly, it's just cool to kind of get an idea of how that game was shaping up at that time and what kind of design decisions they were making still. Um, there are a bunch of other maps that you can look at in there. Uh, some of those maps are from around Space World 97 times. Some of them are not. So they're more older style maps. Um, they populated those maps with as much data as they could that they, they could recover as far as I'm aware. Um, but some of those maps are also just completely barren because there's not really any data associated with them. Uh, I think like the, the water temple, which is a very different and very massive dungeon in, in that version. Um, as, as far as I'm aware, there's no data associated with it in terms of like objects and actors and things like that. So you more or less are just kind of walking around a, a barren dungeon kind of thing. So, uh, if you want to see some of that stuff on stream, you know, if you if you want to see me specifically do it, um, you can go watch that stream. Um, I will say I, I, I set it up to edit it, so there might might be cut out now, but there were some technical issues at the beginning of the stream, as I mentioned earlier, so you might need to skip ahead a little bit. I should have timestamped stuff, um, but I, I, edit, I trimmed the clip. So hopefully it would remove the technical issues out so you can just jump right into the um, the actual gameplay quicker, hopefully. Um, but yeah, if you want to see me specifically, I did that stream, so you can find that on the website. Um, if you're looking for somebody who's going to give you a lot of insight into it, I haven't watched their video yet, but the speedrunner ZFG did a whole like four to five hour tour of that, that demo. Um, I have not watched it yet, like I said, um, but I'm going to take a very strong guess that he has done a really good job you know, explaining differences and how the game controls differently and things like that, because it, it does, it is a very different game in terms of, of how it controls, um, not only from like putting the sword on the A button, but how like Link turns around some of the visual, like graphic elements, like the, like Link's hat having physics and stuff like that, you know, he'll be able to detail like the, the very specific changes between the games, um, a lot better than I could. Um, but I really was just kind of excited on checking it out. And I'm really glad that I did finally get it set up and I got to spend some time with it i kind of feel like i want to go back and poke around with it a bit more but i just don't really know what to do in that regard at the moment i've been kind of just like sporadically booting it up and messing with stuff which is maybe the best way to kind of handle it right now just because there's not a lot in there but maybe i should do like a more like hey i'm just going to sit down and like kind of poke around each of these individual maps i may do that just offline though i don't know if i'll go online for that just because there's not going to be a lot going on probably it'll probably just be me like messing around with the different maps and, and stuff like that so um, although obviously if you do want to see that stuff, let me know and I'll, I'll consider streaming it at some point, but it's, it's just something that I feel that I kind of want to revisit. Not that I really know that I'm going to revisit, um, but it is there on my Wii and ready at any moment whenever I'm ready for it. So, so yeah. 
And that's pretty much it for stuff I was playing. That was, actually took up quite a bit of time. A um, um, couple things here real quick. Um, I'm going to... I did try to go ahead and set up my Windows XP machine again here. Uh, if you didn't know, I was having problems with it before, and I thought maybe the hard drive died in it, but I think it's not that because I put a new drive in and I ran into the same issue where Windows doesn't start after the first handful of times. I think it might be a CMOS battery issue, so I do need to get the CMOS battery out. However, it requires that I have like a particular plastic like a uh, piece to, to take out the CMOS battery. So I got to order that as well as the new CMOS battery. Uh, if you don't know what a CMOS battery is, basically it's just like a battery that keeps the time or whatever. I wouldn't expect that would basically cause the OS to just like basically crash immediately from when it start, starts up. I would expect usually a message that would say, hey, the CMOS battery is dead um, when, when the... Um, when the uh, PC starts up, but you know, I, at this point, I'm not really sure what else to do. And I do know at some point I did receive a message that the CMOS battery was dead. Um, just not, it's not something I see on like each boot up or anything like that. So I think that's going to be a good first step to troubleshoot what the issue is, especially since it does seem to work, um, you know, after I, I do an initial install. So I think it probably just is something where the OS can't like basically like verify something like the date time or something. And so it just is basically pooping itself Essentially, why did I say pooping itself? That's a weird word for me to use. I feel like, <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, so that's that's on hold again. But, you know, that's how those projects go, right? You just kind of troubleshoot it, figure it out. I love old hardware. Let's get into the news here real quick. Um, so Neo, the world ends with you. Um, the Square Enix reported their financial information and, and basically said Neo, the world ends with you uh, did not... <laughs> meet their expectations in terms of sales which um is, is maybe not too terribly surprising you know but but you know uh, uh, who, who can say i don't really know what their expectations were in terms of sale i didn't actually look to see what the numbers were um if they they reported any numbers if they didn't sell well typically a, a company won't actually say what the numbers are if they don't have to um obviously when they're reporting to their their investors they may have different rules to operate by um, versus like putting out like a press release that just basically says we sold 200,000 copies. It was disappointing or something like that. Right. Um, there's not a lot to say about this at this point other than just like, Oh, that kind of stinks for the most part. But I will say like, uh, I don't want to get too involved in this because I kind of put this in the same space in my mind as like a lot of internet drama where a lot of people start talking and a lot of people are like, Oh man, Square Enix messed up the marketing of the game and all that stuff. And, you know, everybody can play armchair developer, armchair marketer, armchair whatever, right? Um, and I don't want to, like, you know, necessarily criticize people too much. You know, you're free to have your thoughts and opinions on it um, of, of how they could have done things better. And there's some things I'm sure they could have done better, right? Nobody's perfect, and, and I'm sure there are there are hiccups in the marketing campaign and things like that. Um, but when you're, like, sitting there, like, reading somebody's thread about, like, you know, oh, they should have done this, 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 and you go, like, read somebody's bio, and they're, like, a 17-year-old high school kid, and you're, like, all right, like, yes, yes, this high schooler is going to fix all the marketing problems Square Enix has, right? Uh, and that's not, like, to say anything about age or anything like that, but just, like, the level of experience, you know, you're, you're having somebody who just is passionate about this video game basically say, why didn't you throw more money at it to, to basically have – 
people, you know, know more about the game. And obviously, you know, that's going to help. If you throw more money at it, it's going to in- increase the profile. But there's just a lot of things on along the way there in terms of, you know, how much of a budget does the, the team have? How What kind of return are they expecting to get from that marketing? Things like that, right? Um, and and where, where that's built into the budget of the game itself initially. Because, yeah, you can put more money out, but if the money that you're spending to, you know, market the game doesn't outweigh the amount of money you're bringing back into it, you're just making the game more of a failure, right? So you might increase this number of sales, but it might not increase it to the extent that you actually need, um, that you actually, you know, succeed. So I'm not saying that I know that much about marketing either myself, to be honest with you. I did graduate with a PR degree, but that's a little different from a marketing degree. Um, and I don't really work in, in, in marketing per se. Um, I, I just kind of work in sales personally. Um, and, and so it's a, di- it's a different process process in that regard i'm not really making those kind of like budget decisions and like allocating you know where certain things should be going at my job um but you know it's just one of those things that i I generally am probably going to trust that the people who you know are 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 employed in that field probably are going to try their best to to make do what they can with it Um, obviously if they didn't um you know if it didn't work out then then they they messed up somewhere in terms of you know how much they plan to you know put towards the development of the game or how much they plan to put towards marketing all that stuff there's something didn't match up somewhere um you know there's there's always a a case that you can kind of like build a game for like a smaller audience at a cheaper budget right so you didn't necessarily spend the money you spent on it kind of thing too so I'm not saying that I know what the right answer is for Neo The World Ends With You. If it could have been more successful with a certain marketing setup or marketing budget or something like that. Um, or if it would, you know, successful in the money sense again, right? Not sales sense per se. Sales number sense. Um, but I, I really would encourage people to, to if you're if you are in this position where you're like, I know best. Why aren't they doing this kind of thing? Um, be a little sympathetic to the other side. Not sympathetic to Square Enix specifically, but just like... You know, just think about the people who worked on that and their expertise and that like, you know, (laughs) uh, there's a lot more that goes into this than just saying throw more money at it. Why didn't you throw more money at it kind of thing? So, um, again, uh, it's not that I'm trying to demean your opinion on it. I just think that there is a lot to be said about, you know, somebody who actually works in the field, you know, providing a opinion on that kind of thing and what could have been done better again. I think there were probably things that could have been done better during his development, but, you know, it's one of those things that you never really know. So there's my little Neo The World Ends With You talk. Um, Hey, you got the game, though, so there you go. You're just probably not getting a sequel, (laughs) which is fine. Square Enix took 15 years to get you a sequel. You think they're going to give you another sequel anytime soon? No. (laughs) Uh, And then the other news story I have here is that, well, it's actually kind of a rumor, I think. I couldn't really tell for sure, but I was looking at this Japanese, uh, the Inside Japan, or Inside Games, um, which is a Japanese website, and I was reading their posts about it, and it sounds like there's not, like, a confirmed uh, a statement of this, but it sounds like there's a rumor going around that the Bomberman Girl or Bomber Girl PC version is finally getting close to coming out. Um, from what I pulled from the text of the article, I think what they are trying to say is that there's like a closed beta that happened at the beginning of November. Um, and, and that it actually completed properly so that they were thinking that it would, um, 
you know, potentially be coming out soon. If you don't know, there's a there's a closed beta blade closed beta a while ago, um, but because it was so problematic, they shut down the beta early. So it sounds like they're finally in a position that they're ready to potentially release it on PC. So um, that's not a confirmation that Bomber Girl PC is coming, but it's interesting to see uh, that maybe potentially something is still moving along and that we might see something in the near future with that. I definitely would like to try out Bomber Girl, although it is kind of one of those things where I think they like charge you per play, kind of like a virtual arcade kind of thing so um whether or not i'll invest all the money into armor girl that i need to to actually learn that game is a whole other thing also it's japan only right so whether or not i'll be able to play it without doing a vpn and you know what kind of latency issues there might be is a whole other thing right i think it can play with arcade game players as well but i'm not 100 sure on that it's been you know bomber girl has been like in development for pc for the longest time so what has changed since then is is you know, I, I think there probably is a lot of chance that, that some things have changed in terms of how they plan to actually set that up. I think the closed beta was PC only when they did that. So anyways, that's it for this week. Thanks for coming. Um, in terms of stuff that's coming up, uh, I ha- I went ahead and edited that panel. So that should be coming out, I believe, either tomorrow or Wednesday. I don't remember for sure, but it'll be sometime during this week. Um, I will say I did kind of watch that panel and there are some things that I think I feel better about with it. Um, there's a couple things that maybe I feel a little worse about, um, but mostly when it comes to presentation wise, I, I think I did uh, generally do really well for what for what resources I had at that time. There's some things I probably would want to tweak with the um, actual information I give because I think there's a lot more clarity it can give on certain things, particularly with the PC engine and what kind of background it has and the types of games that are on the PCFX kind of thing. Um, so, so I think there could be more information there on that that regard. But we'll we'll see. You know, if I if I present that same presentation to Level Up expo here in las vegas i'll definitely try to tweak it to to try to make it a little more um in line with with i feel like a a proper history of that system um not that i think it's an improper history of the system itself that i gave but it's maybe missing some little chunks here and there to kind of complete that picture of of how the pc engine relates outside just the fact that I personally feel like most PC Engine fans are sour on the PCFX because of the differences in the type of library it had. Um, and then one of the short videos that I was supposed to have done out in September is finally wrapping up. Uh, sorry it took so long. Um, it's a video that's basically about, you know, kind of my approach to game purchasing, game collecting, kind of game buying on a budget kind of thing. Um, so I edited that all together today and, and I feel pretty good about it. So I think, I think it will be a good, good, you know, kind of quote featured content piece coming up here. Uh, maybe not quite as, 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 you know, fine tuned as like a full, you know, review or something like that. But, but I think it is uh, fairly well produced overall. Um, there's a couple different things I got to play through to get some extra gameplay. Uh, I got to play through some, some, some actually fairly normal games with, uh, I got to play a little bit of Final Fantasy four on the DS Wind Waker on GameCube, Fire Emblem Path of Radiance, uh, Cube of War, and also WarioWare on the Game Boy Advance. So I think tomorrow, uh, today is Saturday, so Sunday or sometime during the week this week, I'll try to sit down and play through those games and get the footage I need so I can put them in the video without having to borrow someone else's footage on that. Um, so yeah, uh, if you didn't see it last week, I put up a, a interview with or a podcast with Pokey Puss where we talk about games for girls. So if you didn't listen to that, please do. Hopefully I'll have that Totally Spies video coming up soon as well. So so that will kind of go in, in c- conjunction with that. That was originally going to come out this week, but that got pushed out because of the PCFX uh, panel thing. 
Um, and then we'll be getting back to streaming sort of a Tyria, but if you didn't see last week, as I mentioned earlier, we streamed Cooking Mamas. If you want to check that out, that's on the website along with the Zelda Ocarina of Time, uh, Space World recreation demo that, that we played through. But sort of a Tyria will be again next week. I think we're probably at the end of sort of a Tyria. Tyria, I think it'll be this either this next week that we we have to review it or the week afterwards. So, you know, try to tune in if you can if you want to join for the the community review of it. We'll only be reviewing our first playthrough, but I think I've mentioned it a few times that that game seems like a game that should be played through multiple times. So, um, you know, what how much of our of experience we can really review, I think might be um, or maybe I'll have to reconsider my feelings rather once I sit down and play through it multiple times, but we're not going to be doing that on stream. So, so yeah. Oh, and there should also be Elibit's community review section that's up on the website. I reorganized some of the categories on the main page of the website. So you should see some additional things showing up in a, in the third column that has more of like a miscellaneous, uh, set now. So it's not just articles. So you'll see some other stuff in that column, like the community review stuff is it will be in there as well. All right. Well, that's it for now. Thank you for coming. OneControlPort.com is the website. Um, again, we'll be streaming on uh, Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific time. Um, and then uh, check out for that or look out for that PCFX panel uh, sometime, I believe, on Tuesday this week in the morning. So if you want to check that out, please do. Any feedback will be super appreciated because I plan on doing more of those panels. So the more I hear back, the better. Like I said, it's not exactly my favorite panel. Or rather, there's a lot of things I think I can you know, improve it. But just go ahead and tell me what your thoughts are. I may have already seen what you're going to suggest, but it still will be helpful to emphasize that I really should fix it. So, so yeah. Anyways, that's it. Hope you have a great week. Bye.